This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. Good morning on this Saturday, beautiful Saturday morning, even though we're taping on Thursday, but it's going to be nice because I heard it was, so I'm putting positive thoughts out into the universe. Well, that's good. I, I'm hoping that you are absolutely 100% correct. You are right. correct, sir. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That sounds good. Uh huh. So you've had a, um, I, I would say, highly visible week with the um, bookmarks. So tell us about that. Well, we um, the Commission for Women, Lackawanna County Commission for Women, does an annual bookmark contest, and it is sent out to every public, private. Um, Catholic school in Lackawanna County, seventh grade, for their uh, class to take part in a uh, bookmark contest, which is writing an essay of 100 words and drawing a picture of a significant woman in Lackawanna County, whether they're deceased or ever so present. And um, we send them out in January, and we ask them to get them back by the beginning of March for Women's History Month, which is March. And then we do, at the commissioner's office, we do the bookmark contest, reveal the winners, have the family come, have the commissioners there, get some photos. Um, ECTV is Mark McGlory's. They're taping it, so it's re-aired on ECTV. And it's it's just a lovely little ceremony for these kids. And every year they keep getting more and more interesting as to who they put you know forth with their um their suggestions and their essays and so what we do is um we look at the the you know the artwork and the essay i try not even to look at who sent it i go right into the artwork and the essay so because that's the focus and then of course we pick who was so we got about 80 submissions this really? year yes wow. now we would love considering there are so many of those schools i don't know the exact number i could i don't have them in front of me but there's a lot of schools and a lot of them just don't even participate mm-hmm. um west scranton intermediate every single year without fail they will the seventh grade teachers at the intermediate mrs borthwick michelle borthwick and pete yakavazi and make their classes every year will submit. This year we got OLP, a huge amount of um, entries from OLP, and North Pocono. North Pocono was in last year as well. And those are the three schools 
that do this and, and why I know it's more work for the teacher. I know it's everything. But when the kids see this and to just the, what they look at it and how they, they incorporate this, they know it's coming every year. Now, whether the teachers actually get the information because we send it directly to the office of the school, I don't know that answer. I just know that Joyce Fazula, who was one of the um, uh, winners this year, uh, she or what her one of the young ladies wrote about Joyce, so she was one of the um, she was honored as a um, significant woman. Um, she was, you know, she said, "How many do you send out?" And I told her we send them to everyone, but we can't control what the teachers do. So we were very happy, and all three of the teachers who, whose children won were there in attendance, which oh, was great. Nice. So um, it was a big turnout, and as you know, we had um, three from West Scranton intermediate and three from OLP um, this year and then we had since I was there I can't just pick one it was very difficult so I've added two first two second and two third every year okay. and just gives the kids a little more um, you know opportunity and it makes it a little more exciting when everybody's there in force so we as I said we did it in the brand new commissioner's the new county administration building up in the commissioner's office and um it was great it was very well very well there was not a standing room only so um yeah we had a lot of people um and you were on the news last night yeah well and how many were there how many uh, six children six young ladies now it could be men or it's we don't and we've had young guys in the past who've won but it's this year was six women six young girls who were awarded and they get a cash prize Nice. They get a, a, a medal that says uh-huh. first place winner. I said it's like the Olympics. And and they also get a, cert, a certificate from the commissioners. So it's really a nice. And this year, like last year, the Scranton Times did the front page of today's paper being Thursday the 28th um, with the kids' bookmarks all on them and a nice, wonderful story that Jim Lockwood did, um, which was great. He was wonderful. And he took the time to talk to each one of the kids. It was great. And then Stacy Lang was one of the other um uh, she was another woman who's one of the young girls wrote about and so she sent she she was going to be there but she couldn't so she sent her camera crew over and they did a nice story so um do you remember who they were all six of them they're all their names exact um uh i could i could try here we had magdalene we had Emmy. No, I mean the winner. So, the, oh yeah, I know all the ladies. There, well, they? Meg. So we had Joyce. First, first prize was Joanne Arduino, mm-hmm. and Marion Munley, the grandmother of Julia and Marion Munley, mm-hmm. and many of the other Munleys, and then the mother of uh, Bob Munley, uh, Marion's dad, and Judge Jim Munley federal judge and Jim Judge Munley was there along with his daughter Judge Munley Julia Mm -hmm. which was lovely and um, they were there Marion and one of her brothers and I think it was Chris and they were all there to because the one young lady wrote about her grandmother who was a state representative female and no one has won besides Bridget recently in 50 some years a woman um, in our region so that was big so she they came in first place Second place was Stacy Lang and Joyce Fazula. And third place was a woman named Diane Boone. And do you know Diane? Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I met her. She seems so she's, interesting. She's a really nice person. Her daughter her, her daughter was there, which <clears throat> I didn't even get know that because we tried to reach out to her. Kathy Hardaway was trying to help us, and I didn't know because she's no longer um, 
she wasn't doing what the what the young lady wrote about so we weren't able to get i wasn't able to get her kathy tried but someone got to her because her afterwards i found out we had our board meeting afterwards that her daughter was there and she brought flowers to the little girl it was so cute so diane and a woman by the name of beatrix sherman who was a silhouette artist born in the late 18 i think she was in 1894 or something like that and one of the young girls who wrote about her loved art loves art and wanted to do something with someone who was an artist and she chose her so it was those were the six ladies and then the the young girls were and i love the name magdalene so i that was they call her uh, maggie so that was her her name and then uh lamaya and samantha and grace and uh emmy and one more (laughs) help me Oh, did I say, I said Samantha Grace. Um, Oh, I'm going to have to think while we go. I don't have anything in front of me. I should have brought my notes in with me, but I didn't. Anyway, they're the greatest young kids. Three Mm -hmm. from, like I said, three and three. West and OLP. And of course, I always have to say in this, I'm always so thrilled they're there because I was the first graduating class from the West Granton Intermediate School. Oh. Yes, I I was in the class. So it was... um, I love that school, and we had a lot of fun. So, um, and it was a great honor, like I said, to um, see these kids come in and write about these ladies that they look at and admire and think they're worthy of having bookmarks. And then the bookmarks go to all of the libraries in Lackawanna County. They get uh, funneled through the system, and they're great. So it's just a nice little way they're laminated and nicely done. So. That's nice. Yeah, I love it. And we do it for Women's History Month every year. So the commissioners were great, and we thank them. And uh, Fran Pantuso and Rick Notary, um, uh, big help. And Fran used to be um, in that, um, she did that, and that was her job until she was promoted. So mm-hmm. she, she was there, and then now Rick does it, and he was great. So we we're doing all right. That's nice. Mm-hmm. What else does the Lackawanna County commission on women do we do we have well it's a full board so we meet um every other month and then executive committee committee meets in between the the months we don't meet we do our annual bookmark contest this year we're also doing the flight of jackie corcoran which had to be canceled from january which is now the 24th of of april Mm -hmm. um that is taking place at the scranton cultural center and if you want tickets for that you call the center at 344-1111 buy tickets $50 with an open bar and a light hors d'oeuvres and the play which is in Shopland Hall and it's a collaboration between the Scranton Cultural Center and the Commission for Women that's a one we added on this year um, on May 17th we will be doing a um, leg- our legislative breakfast which will this year have the three Lackawanna County judges uh, Judge Corbett, Judge um, Moyle and Judge uh, Munley, and then we're honoring as the nonprofit the Children's Advocacy Center. That will take place at La Bonavita, mm-hmm. and um, so it's that's gonna that we do that every year, and that's great. So if you want to go, tickets are available for that. It's twenty dollars for the breakfast and the um, presentation. So we the the commissioners always um, do a nice uh, presentation to the women that we or end men that we have speak and then um in october we will be doing our health 
seminar, which I haven't decided yet which topic I'm going to do. I have to decide. I have a couple up my sleeve, but I don't know yet. So I'm Just working a lot on that. Your sleeve. Yeah. <clears throat> but so okay. there's a lot. There's a lot to do, a lot of coordination, and there's a lot more that we could do as an organization um, in the county with regarding women. So yes, it's a lot of work to be done. Yes, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am. Um, as you're listening to this, I will probably be fully ensconced in my role um, as a judge on this this Saturday uh, at Penn State's Scranton campus with uh, Tech Bridge and Don Webster is behind this and he's been doing a fabulous job for many years with uh, the high school business plan competition and people from our local area uh, they've already been pre-screened and we now get to the point of the finalists, and I am one of the judges to see which one of the plans we think was best presented and has the best possibility of success. And it's really incredible to listen to the business ideas and business plans that the kids in this area have because it's spectacular. Some of them uh, don't see how that's ever going to happen, that they will be successful because they just haven't done their homework as far as uh, competition and viability of something in northeastern Pennsylvania. But I love to listen to them make presentations, and I watch them come in, and they are so nervous. And they have all these um, handouts. Some of them even have PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> It's great. It's like being venture capitalists. It's like being on um, Shark Tank and watching people come in and make a pitch. So it's really fascinating. And, and I'm torn most of the time between not wanting to put a damper on what they're doing. And I want to encourage them. But at the same time, I think we have to look at it realistically as uh, business owners, what what we know and what they don't know, and how we would help them to get what they need. Great. So it's it's always fun. And then there's a big, then one one person, one group is actually the winner of the whole competition. But there are three or four breakout rooms, and we all have to decide which one of the three or four that we we see is the one that we want to put into the final. I see. So it's really well done, and I um, I want to thank Don Webster and a, and a whole bunch of people that are behind that for um, taking the initiative to do this because it takes a lot of work. It really does, and uh, for him encouraging business in northeastern Pennsylvania. There we go. All good. Okay, and I have all the names: Grace, okay. Lamaya, Emmy, Samantha, Magdalene, and Gianna. Those are the gals' names. I knew it. There we go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. We will be right back. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. 
My name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance LLC, which is a financial planning firm specifically for the financial planning needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I found something on uh, AARP's website that I thought was really interesting because it's amazing how our thought patterns change when life circumstances change. This is a a story that was written by a woman named Randy Mazella. And uh, I don't know what Randy's background was, and you'll see when I read this that it's interesting. But anyway, the title of what she wrote was, I Had to Grow Up to Understand My Mother-in-Law. This is very interesting because I know I never really knew my mother-in-law. She had died before we were married. But <clears throat> I never really had a problem with my in-laws' families. I really I liked most of those people. I thought they were great. And we always have a good time. But I can see that there are, just with some friends who've had some difficult times with their in-laws, that it really, I, I'm lucky, I guess. I'm very lucky that it worked out uh-huh. that way. So Randy's story is this. I had to grow up to understand my mother-in-law, and once I did, things changed between us. I met Rich at my first job out of college. After a year of dating, he proposed. We were both 23 years old. A few days after our engagement, my mother called my future in-laws to offer congratulations and to discuss wedding plans. My mother-in-law was cool on the phone. She made it clear that she thought Rich was too young to get married and that my not being Catholic was an issue. Mm. Basically, without directly saying it, she told my mother that I wasn't right for her son. (laughs) Charming. (laughs) Later, my mother recapped the conversation for me and said, I kept saying how much we liked Rich and what a nice guy he was, and she just agreed. She didn't say one nice thing about you. I could just see this going on. I was sad, but not surprised. I hoped that once we were married, my mother-in-law would warm to me, but she did not. Her, that I love this phrase, her Arctic demeanor. Oh, boy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I love it. Her Arctic demeanor. We have a song, don't we? Could we could come that, up with a foreigner a song, one. like Cold yes. as Ice or something. Her Arctic demeanor, yes, uh-huh. to- towards me didn't change, even though I tried to be a good daughter-in-law, wife, and mother. She just didn't seem to like me very much. And after 20 years, she still didn't have one nice thing to say about me. (laughs) I love it. I assumed that our cool relationship would never change. But then I turned 48. It was the same age my mother-in-law was when we first met. Some parts of my life at 48 were the same as hers. We were both mothers of three, two daughters and a son. We both love all our kids, but 
essentially adore our boys. I'm not sure how I would feel if a woman came and stole my son's heart right now, but considering he's only 15, I probably have some time. Still, for the first time ever, I understand how tough it would be to have another woman enter my son's life. But more than our similarities, what struck me were the big differences in our lives at the same age. When my mother-in-law was 45, her mother died in a car accident. She was still in mourning when her husband became ill. When I was introduced to my father-in-law, he had just been diagnosed with cancer. At 51, my mother-in-law would be a widow. At 48, I was able to view myself the way my mother-in-law did when she was that age. She was scared, sad, and lonely. Within a few years, she had lost her mother, and she was about to lose her husband. And then here I was, ready to take her only son. And not only was he getting married, he was choosing to raise his family in a different faith. That meant she wouldn't be able to take her grandchildren on Easter egg hunts or to the mall to see Santa. When I was, so she thought. I mean, that's silly to think that way, but okay, go ahead. When I was 23, I wished my mother-in-law had been more gracious and more welcoming. Now that I'm 48, I wish that I had been more compassionate and empathetic. I can't imagine my life right now without my mother or my husband. She must have felt so alone. I think she couldn't open her heart to me because it was broken, and in many ways it never totally healed. I had to grow up to really understand my mother-in-law, and once I did, things changed between us. I think she's even slowly warming up to me. Just last week, she asked me to order her a few items online. I was happy to oblige, and she was appreciative. In fact, she complimented me for getting everything to her so quickly. I guess it was more praise for Amazon's delivery speed than for me. Someone still has to do it. But she said something nice about me. Maybe she likes me after all. I thought that was a great little article. Uh, it's wonderful, but it is really the truth, though. I know. It's there. It's just like, again, just like I'm sure fathers think about daughters. their daughters and, and what... Uh-huh. They will, you know, how they will be taken care of or yep. whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just really strange. You know, I thought about that and I thought, man, that the, the fact that she was able to recognize that, mm-hmm. that from 23 to 48 in her life, how very differently she understood her mother-in-law because of her own life experiences that she could not have possibly known at yeah. the time. And I wonder, you know, I, I look at this now and in my own life, think of myself as a grandmother and think, I don't know what that's about. I mean, I, I, I know that, in fact, it is true. You are. I am. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think of my own grandmother, my own grandmothers, and I had a great-grandmother that was alive when I was a child. And it was just such a really cool experience, but we lived with them. You know, it wasn't that you come to visit and then you go home. You actually lived with them, and I always knew them to be, they were kind of like my my last resort, you know, when when things were not going well with my mother, my father, 
I'd always go to my grandmother's and they would, you know, sit me up on their lap and give me hugs and tell me all about why things were not as bad as I thought they were. And they were always the one that was detached enough to listen to what I had to say and be very empathetic and not in the midst of the craziness of whatever was going on with my mother or my father and, you know, you get thrown in the mix of it. But I just look at that and say, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that because I don't live that close. Well, that's, you know. that is the thing. It, proximity is, is, is so important, I think, for that. I mean, you know, my, my grandmother lived with us. My mother's mother moved in with us. I think she was 45 or 47 because my, my really? poppy had died. Yeah. I didn't know. She yeah. Was well, no, wait long. a minute. Eight, 51 she was. Okay. I'm sorry. She was 51. And um, she moved in with us. And so because my mother was only um, 21 years younger than my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So my mother, if my grandmother was 51, how old was my mother? 30, 30 some, right? Mm-hmm. 30. 30. 30, yeah. Well, yeah, thir- that's right. I'm thinking more than that. Okay. So... Um, we it was like essentially having two mothers but yeah. and i don't like that line that your mother oh my mother's my best friend like i don't think you can i can't stand that it drives no. me insane how can I, no but my grandmother because she was removed i could tell you i could go to my grandmother or or tell her anything enough and i never told my parents or my grandmother anything i, I wouldn't sit and say everything all i could do it you know you within limits you're not, yes, not going right. to say everything i did or thought you know but dear god but um you know i was comfortable with her yes and she lived till she was 91 and i thought she would be here forever you know so oh, she yeah. she it was just was wonderful because she just saw through everything through my whole life of what I did and where I went and my kids and 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 I and that that feeling is just unbelievable to have that kind of relationship with somebody separate from your immediate your your parents it's so yeah. different and she lived there so when the fire engines would fly by north main avenue as i've said i would run into my grandmother's room and s- jump in bed with her because i was afraid until i ran into my father's stomach one time as i told you he was waiting for me outside the door because he knew i was going to get up yes. and i like opened the door and i'm running and he was there and i slammed right into him <laughs> And he goes, you get back into your bed. I said, I'm afraid. He goes, you're going to be fine. Get back to bed and don't come out here again. Do not run and wake your grandmother. Well, do you think that stopped me? No. Next time the fire engine's right back in. But he was trying to protect her for, you know, oh, didn't oh, want sure. to wake up. And mm-hmm. anyway, it was, she was, she was just the best. Mm-hmm. So, and he, and my kids had that same relationship with her. You know, mm-hmm. they loved her and mm-hmm. it was, um. It was so good to grow up that way. And they had their grandmother as a great-grandma for a very long time. Yeah. My kids. Yeah. So it was, it's important. Yeah, I think I was 16 when my great-grandmother died. And she was, what a character she was. Who was this, your mother <sighs> or father's? Father. Okay. Her name was Beatrice. Oh, see. Beatrice Evans. Beatrice Morgan Evans. Mm. And everybody in... I guess we call it, you know, Lower West Side. Lower New, West Side. Well, I mean, versus Hyde Park, where we live. Oh, okay, because okay? you were somewhere else. Then. Right. Okay. So 
she was West Side proper is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Well, she used to live in all the areas right around Savino's funeral home uh -huh. and all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I told you she used to work the, the funeral homes. She would go up and right. down the street there. Right. Make sure that she saw somebody she knew. So yeah, she'd get that's invited. what they all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so How anyway. People just don't know who they are, but they go in. But go oh, ahead. That too. <laughs> she, she did that move. <clears throat> but she loved to go to all the Welsh um, events. Because she got Welsh cookies? No, because she was first well, I generation. I know she was, my God. Yeah, so she spoke Welsh. And so she would go to these events in all the Welsh churches in that area, and she would sing way off key, <laughs> but very, very proud. loud. And proud, loud and proud. And everybody would just kind of, you know. Ugh, cringe. Yeah, and especially me and my sister, uh -huh. because, you know, they knew that we were her great grand Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Did they call her B or anything? Yes, or? they called her B. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. To yeah, it's just, but she was a very strong, powerful presence. You know, strong these, like bull? Yes. Okay. And didn't take guff, as she would call it. Didn't take guff from anybody. Guff. And she was, <laughs> she just, she was a pistol. I mean, yeah. it just had an outrageous Boop. personality. And uh, it was just funny to, oh, Beatrice is around again. Look out. Here she comes. Yeah, and I just don't get it because these <laughs> women were so strong and did so much years ago. Like I told you, even thinking of my grandma, Cadden, and how she ran my grandpa's business and raised seven yes, children on her own. Exactly. And we think, like, we, these women just weren't, like, why was that so under the covers, so to speak? Covered up. These women have been doing this for forever. Right. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and continue this. We'll be right back. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am managing director of a company called Women of Substance LLC, which is a financial planning firm specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I am also uh, host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. So, and this is a fifth Saturday this month for us, and so we have a free time. We have no uh, guest expert, I guess is what we're calling uh -huh. them. So, this segment, we're just going to talk about some things that I found in found. various places. This is uh, from USA Today, Money. It says, more older women are returning to work, rebuilding savings, and a professional identity. And it's uh, Erica Hernandez. She was a stay-at-home mom through two recessions that depleted her family's retirement savings, forcing them into a frugal lifestyle that left little money for frills like dining out. So in 2017, with her two children gearing up for college, she returned to the workforce after a 19-year hiatus. Wow. Not as the public relations executive she had once been, 
but as an administrative assistant for a teacher's union. Now, this next quote I don't understand given what I just said. <laughs> My husband had shouldered the burden all these years, who lives in San Francisco. It was time for me to share the load. All right, I get that, but as an administrative assistant for a teacher's union, I'm not sure how much money she actually made. But nevertheless, she shared the load. The best job market in half a century has been a boon for older women going back to work, typically after raising kids for nearly 20 years and for those staying in the workforce at more advanced ages. It's a demographic that has gotten less attention than other groups reaping the benefits of worker shortages that are forcing employers to hire Americans on the margins, such as the disabled and less educated. The 3.8% unemployment rate is near a 50-year low, and there were a near-record 7.6 million job openings in January. Wow. Like Hernandez, many older women are helping their families catch up after the Great Recession of 2007-2009 uh, with their finances, especially with baby boomers facing, I love this term, eye-popping college tuition costs yeah. and longer lives that demand bigger nest eggs. Others are nudged back to work by divorce, which is splitting up a record number of older couples. We talk about that so often. We I call know. It gray divorce. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Some are seeking self-fulfillment after years devoted to the needs of others. Most want to find a sense of purpose in their lives, says Hilary Berger, founder of Work Like a Mother, a career counseling service that helps stay-at-home moms transition back to work. If women have been out of work and not attending to their own growth, this is their time to do that. Yet experts say many women over 50 face formidable obstacles as they re-enter the labor force, including rusty skills, a lack of confidence, employer discrimination, and new technologies and social media. The number of working women over 55 has risen 4.2% over the past year to 17.4 million, compared Jeez. with a 1.8% increase for all women and a 3.3% rise for men over 55. The share of 55-plus women who are working has also increased more sharply than the other groups in the past year. The trend can be partly explained by demographics. There are lots of baby boomers, about 74 million, and the youngest Ew. turns 55 this year. How old are you? 50, I just turned 58. Okay. Yeah, I'm right at the, the tail end. Okay. 31% of female boomers have bachelor's degrees compared to 24% of women in older generations, allowing boomers to work longer in less physically demanding jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the key right there. Right, I do too. The physically demanding part. Yep. That's the reason why so many women and men decide when you talk about, when I've talked Leaving. to them about retirement, yep. they say, why? You know, it, it's not the, it's not the physical demanding jobs that are the ones that take them out of the workforce. It's the, I'm sorry, it, it is, is the physically the physical, demanding yeah. jobs. Right. But your brain's still working and you can still keep learning. Mm -hmm. So 
the share of women over 55 who are employed has risen sharply over the past year, hitting an all-time high in February. Yet there are other factors. Nowadays, women have longer life expectancies and need to finance longer retirements. Pensions that offer a guaranteed income have largely vanished from the private sector. And tuition and fees at public four-year colleges it averages $10,230 in the current school year, while costs at private colleges average $35,000. We're trying to stockpile to get through college, said Susan Swanson, 54 years old, of Illinois, noting her daughter recently started college and son will begin in about 18 months. Last September, Swanson, a former management consultant, started working about 30 hours a week as an accountant for eco-promotional products, an environmentally friendly consumer products company. She also went back to work because she was bored, she said, adding the healthy job market made it easier for me. Initially, though, she worried about the big gap on her resume, wondering, am I too old? Am I going to find something? Meanwhile, the Great Recession put millions of Americans out of work, reducing their incomes and savings while depleting many employers' 401k investments. Many fled stocks and so missed out on a decade-old bull market. Nearly half of people 65 and overworking or looking for a job did so for financial reasons. That's important to note because it wasn't just because I felt like it. It's because I had to. Mm-hmm. Hernandez says her husband, Andrew, saw his 401k investments hammered by the 2000 dot, <clears throat> excuse me, dot com crash. Their nest egg shriveled further during the Great Recession, and Andrew stopped contributing to his 401k. To meet expenses while raising kid, kids on Andrew's salary as an instrument technician, the couple stopped going out to eat and borrowed a friend's RV for a low for low budget camping love vacations. It. You would think that would be fun. I though. love an RV. I love it. Yeah, that's not that's not like slumming. That's, yeah, you're not conceding no. anything there. That would be your idea <laughs> of a good it. time, for sure. <clears throat> so let me see. I lost my space here. Here she says. Um, she said. None of those things were going to happen unless I went back to work. In a favorable job market, it took her just a couple of months to find a job. This thing keeps crashing on me. Um, as a regional administrative assistant for the California Teachers Association, I wasn't looking to return to public relations and climb the corporate ladder, she said. Yet reorienting herself to the daily grind was really hard. It took some getting used to. I'd schedule two-hour lunches and stay in my bathrobe until noon. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> okay. She says she loves her job, noting it draws on skills such as writing and arranging meetings and conferences that she cultivated in public relations. But she added, it was a huge culture shock. She learned, for example, that copy machines now scan documents that are sent via email. Okay. <laughs> What okay. rock was she really? Hello. Okay. The couple's finances are more stable, and they recently took a trip to Mexico. I can buy clothes. I can buy pairs of shoes, she said. And other women are forced to go back to work after divorce, since alimony is typically not enough to cover expenses. In 2015, 10 of every 1,000 married, married people aged 50 and older divorced. 
Say that again. Ten of every 1,000 married people aged 50 and older divorced, a rate that has doubled since 1990. I Mm -hmm. think it's tripled, frankly, but okay. So Berger said half of the mothers she helps ease back into the workforce are recently divorced. During the recession, many couples put off divorce because of their financial struggles. Now, she says the healthy economy and job market may be prodding some older women to end their marriages since they can more easily find jobs to supplement their income. This one woman said her divorce last year was part of the reason she decided to go back to work, but she also wanted to be professionally engaged again after spending nearly two decades raising a son, 16, and daughter, 18. She's a few years younger than the boomers highlighted in the labor data, but the same trends are driving her back to the workforce. Several industries employing disproportionate share of women have seen strong job gains. Women comprise 77% of 3.5 million healthcare jobs added since 2010. That's not a surprise, is it? No. Healthcare, women? That's where we usually end up. Yeah, but uh, what did you say on the percentage? Of, it's higher? 77% of the 3.5 million healthcare jobs added since 2010. They've also made 71% of the 478,000 local government jobs and virtually all 204,000 K-12 teaching-related jobs. So we're right back to what we said, nurses and teachers. Mm -hmm. Except that doesn't mean that it's health. It doesn't mean it's it's not a doctor, though. Well, that's true, but I so think so. I'm assuming they're they're yeah well. yeah. Let's do that. Let's just think about that because well, that could be. There's more to it, but I think we're kind of running out of time. Yeah. Here. So we can talk more about that. But I I've always been fascinated by that concept that you know we think that people are supposed to retire at 65, and mm-hmm. the fact is, for people who worked in the world that we all remember our parents working in, it was physically demanding. Yeah. But these women are going back to work after 20 years outside of the workforce mm-hmm. and finding decent jobs. I know. So there you are. But while so, you were at home with your kids, yeah. you were real estate, right? No. I was home for about three years without anything else. Yeah, about three okay. years. And I didn't like it. I was itchy and antsy and didn't like it. The three years you were out? No. I mean, I loved being with my kids, but I, yes. I did not feel productive. I wanted to do more with myself, and that's, I just did. I mean, I didn't want, I, it was not fulfilling for me. Yeah. So? I don't get, and when I look at my children today, I'm thrilled, you know, you and did they're a damn, they're good, a damn job. good job, but I just mean, I just wanted to do more. I wanted something more for myself. So that's what happened with that. Okay. But also I just want to say, let's give a big shout out to Tony and Pat Natalie, who today will be their last day at Natalie's restaurant on Tripp Street in Scranton. Um, Tony and Pat graduated high school at Scranton Central with Meyer and they've been wonderful to us. We've tried to go there as often. My mother, Ann Cadnarren, was our favorite place to be. And they've just been, they're wonderful people, very hospitable and great food and great price and great service. And Shelby and Chrissy and Stephanie and Jill and all the guys in the back and little Luci, Luciana, who we love. So God bless the Natalie family as they move forward and leave the business. They sold their business. So good for them. And we love you guys. And we'll see you tonight. Yeah. At the last supper, oh. so to speak. <laughs> okay, well we'll t- yes. we'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe and please be nice.
Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.